Hello, this is Father Neil here, and welcome to the July 8th episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. Today we'll be looking at Numbers 1471 through 1479 of the Catechism. 10. Indulgences. 1471. The doctrine and practice of indulgences in the Catholic Church are closely linked to the effects of the sacrament of penance. What is an indulgence? An indulgence is a remission before God of the temporal punishment due to sins, whose guilt has already been forgiven, which the faithful Christian, who is duly disposed, gains under certain prescribed conditions through the action of the Church, which, as the minister of redemption, dispenses and applies with authority the treasure and the satisfaction of God and the saints. An indulgence is partial or plenary, according as it removes either part or all of the temporal punishment due to sin. The faithful can gain indulgences for themselves or apply them to the dead. The Punishment of Sin, 1472 To understand this doctrine and practice of the Church, it is necessary to understand that sin has a double consequence. Grave sin deprives us of communion with God, and therefore makes us incapable of eternal life, the privation of which is called eternal, the eternal punishment of sin. On the other hand, every sin, even venial, entails an unhealthy attachment to creatures, which must be purified either here on earth or after death in the state called purgatory. This purification frees one from what is called the temporal punishment of sin. These two punishments must not be conceived of as a kind of vengeance inflicted by God from without, but as following from the very nature of sin. A conversion which proceeds from a fervent charity can attain the complete purification of the sinner in such a way that no punishment would remain. 1473. The forgiveness of sin and restoration of communion with God entail the remission of the eternal punishment of sin, but temporal punishment for, of sin remains, while patiently bearing sufferings, the trials of all kinds, and, when the day comes, serenely facing death, the Christian must strive to accept this temporal punishment of sin as grace. He should strive by works of mercy and charity, as well as by prayer and the various practices of penance, to put off completely the old man, and to put on the new man. The Communion of Saints, 1474. The Christian, who seeks to purify himself of his sin and to become holy with the help of God's grace, is not alone. The life of each of God's children is joined in Christ and through Christ in a wonderful way to the life of all the other Christian brethren in the supernatural unity of the mystical body of Christ as in a single mystical person. In the communion of saints, a perennial link of charity exists between the faithful who have already reached their heavenly home, those who are expiating their sins in purgatory, and those who are still pilgrims on earth. Between them, there is, too, an abundant exchange of all good things. In this wonderful exchange, the holiness of one profits others, well beyond the harm that sin of one could cause others. Thus recourse to the communion of saints, lets the, the contrite sinner be more promptly and efficaciously purified of the punishment for sin. 1476. 
we also call these spiritual goods of the communion of the saints, the church's treasury, which is not the sum total of the material goods which have accumulated during the course of the centuries. On the contrary, the treasury of the church is the infinite value which can never be exhausted, which Christ's merits have before God. They were offered so that the whole of mankind could be set free from sin and attain communion with the Father. In Christ the Redeemer himself, the sanctifications and merits of his redemption exist and find their efficacy. 1477. This treasury includes as well as the prayers and good work of the Blessed Virgin Mary. They are truly immense, unfathomable and even pristine in their value before God. In this treasury too are the prayers and good works of the saints, all those who have followed in the footsteps of Christ the Lord and by his grace have made their lives holy and carried out the mission that the Father has entrusted to them. In this way they attained their own salvation and at the same time cooperated in saving their brothers in the unity of the mystical body. Obtaining indulgences from God through the church. 1478. An indulgence is obtained through the church too by virtue of the power of binding and loosing granted her by Christ Jesus intervenes in favour of individual Christians and opens for them the treasury of the merits of Christ and the saints to obtain from the Father of the mercies the remission of the temporal punishments due for their sins. Thus the Church does not want simply to come to the aid of these Christians, but also to spur them to works of devotion, penance and charity. 1479 since the faithful departed now being purified are also members of the same communion of the saints, one way we help them is to obtain indulgences for them, so that the temporal punishment due for their sins may be remitted. Okay, so today we look at this um, section of indulgences, which again is one of the most controversial um, points between Catholics and Protestants. But the Catholic position, I think, is fairly clear. And um, whether one likes it or not, at least it is clear. And um, the understanding is that there is a difference between sin and its consequences. And that while the actual sin can be forgiven the consequences of that sin can remain. And how do we look at this? We look at this in a particular way. Um, here, I mean, it's clear. If you, if you repent of your sin, your sin can be, can be forgiven. But if you, have, um, if you have caused damage, that damage remains. Whether you've been forgiven or not, you know, if you have uh, committed a sin, if you've killed somebody, they're still dead. You go to confession, you repent, whatever you want. Fantastic, fantastic that you repent, fantastic that you go to confession, but the guy's still dead. He doesn't come back again if you receive absolution. And this again, I'm using uh, that, that example. It's like everything else. If you've had a fight with your wife and you've screamed at her and you've uh, caused all sorts of problems in the relationship, and then you go to confession, fantastic, you've gone to confession, fantastic, you've been forgiven. 
But my dear, you still have to go back and work on the relationship with your wife and ask her for forgiveness and tell her you're sorry. And sometimes it's not enough to say you're sorry. Sometimes then you have to go and you've got to work at it because you've damaged something. And the indulgence, okay, is not so much at these sorts of damages that we leave. But in a sense, the indulgence is is more aimed at the internal damages we have. You can be forgiven and still messed up. You know, when, when we do wrong, we harm ourselves. No matter what sin you commit, you damage yourself. That if we demean ourselves, we're demeaned. If we, um, and all sins demean us. The sexual sins, but also many times with our filthy language, uh, sometimes thinking very bad things about other people. All these things bring us down, bring us down into the gutter. Ourselves, our soul, our, our, our self, our, our, our psyche, it gets damaged. And, uh, and from everything, from love of money, from pride, from always showing off, all these things hurt us. They, they, they damage our personality, they damage our soul, they damage our person. And if we... And confession doesn't fix this damage. It forgives the sin, yes, but it doesn't fix this damage. And the there are other ways that we need to work at having a penitential life to fix this damage. The life of penance in general, and in a particular instance, here we're talking about indulgences, that the Church can help us also to undo the consequences of our sin, the eternal consequences of our sin, the terrenal consequences, the consequences in this earth, and since finish. You know, even if you've killed somebody, if a hundred years passes, he'd have been dead anyway. You know, even if you have a huge fight with your wife, in a hundred years, the two of you will be dead anyway. So, uh, in a sense, the temporal consequences, yes, we need to work with them. Yes, we need to... Uh, do our best to to get over them, to heal them. But it's the eternal ones, the ones that are in our soul, that can be worked at here. Sometimes some of them will still remain and we work in them on, on, in, in purgatory, sure. But in this life we can work on them. And this is what the indulgences are about. But the indulgences are not magic. You know, many times you have to do something... Um, like to go on a pilgrimage, to, to do something that, that is specific, a specific work of conversion. So more than anything, they're, um, the church encouraging us to do good works, encouraging us to do things that will, that will help to heal us internally. And then, obviously, the other aspect of it is this um, communion of saints. Again, most of what we were listening to, most of these numbers of the Catechism, seem to be more about the communion of the saints, 1474 to 1477, which is, um, again, beautiful, that if we're pulled into this communion of the saints, it's like a magnet that draws you in. If we're pulled into this communion of the saints, this can also help to make us better. It can help to heal us. 
it can help us. That this is, um, you know, th- this is what we need. That the saints can help make us better people. And um, the devotion to the saints is something beautiful. And that all of us are invited to this. And this is what, um, in a big part, is the, the indulgence, the opening of the treasury of the church. The treasury of the church isn't the fact that we have the Pieta or that we have the Vatican Museums or whatever few euros are in the Vatican Bank. I mean, those things are fine, but they're not the treasure of the church. The church's treasury is this warehouse of grace, this warehouse of goodness, this power that the saints have that can be applied to the different Christians if we want. If we want to um, to do this, if we want to be forgiven, the Lord can forgive us. And um, if we want to be healed, the Lord can help us to be healed. But it's like, um, you know, in a sense, it's like also if you... Um, if you if you have a wound if you if you break a bone or if you sprain something you need to have some sort of a physical exercise and um, and spiritually we need this in our soul as well that if we have become damaged we need some sort of a physical exercise we need to have uh, somebody that helps us to be cured and this is the role also of the indulgence is helping us to do acts of um, Christian life, uh, clear acts of Christianity that can help us to be in conversion, that can help us to become better people, that can give us this therapy that we need to undo not just the, um, the guilt of our sin, which is forgiven in confession, but also the, 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 the consequences of our sin that stay behind, that remain there, and so the, the this whole theory theory of the indulgences, this whole teaching of the indulgences, linked very much with the communion of the saints. Again, it is often car- caricatured by some Protestants, by some of the born again Protestants who don't agree with the Catholic Church. It was one of the big um, problems for Martin Luther before he left the Catholic Church. And and again, we need to be careful not to give the impression that it's something magic because it's not something magic. It's basically about a type of conversion where the church recommends certain practices to us that can bring us into harmony, into harmony with God. It's like if you have a physical therapist who helps you. You know, it's not magic. If they tell you you need to do these exercises, you need to do this, you need to do that, and you do that and you get better. It isn't that they waved a magic wand over you, not at all. And in the spiritual life, it's quite similar that we are invited to certain holy practices, certain series of prayers, certain penitential acts, that the Church says can help us to be better. And then, of course, this other teaching that maybe is a bit more difficult for people to accept, the fact that we have this treasury of the graces of the saints, that the saints are not just examples the saints aren't simply examples. The saints are also there to help us, to help us to be better people, to help us to be uh, more uh, close to the Lord. So anyway, so we have this section. Again, if there are people listening who are not Catholic, who find it uh, a bit difficult, I just invite you to read over this or to play back the first part of it. 
uh, to look at 1471 especially, that gives this um, that gives this definition, and then 1478 and 1479 that show how they're applied Im- applied to the individual. But as usual, as as happens so many times, these are beautiful um, gifts that the Lord gives His Church to allow us to reach heaven, to allow us to be better people, to allow us to be better versions of ourselves, to allow us really to be filled with grace so that we can find his goodness. So very well, tomorrow we'll continue and tomorrow we'll be finishing the section on the Sacrament of Penance and so we'll have 1480 through 1484. God bless.